Amen. If you have your Bibles and you would, find with me 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter, as we are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. <clears throat> verse by verse. And so today, as I have been saying every week here lately, if this sermon upsets you or is too close to home, take it up with the guy that wrote the book. That is not me. And so uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, but before we jump into 1 Samuel the 18th chapter, I have three cards this morning that I want to read you. And uh, for you who are here all the time, you say, I heard this spiel before, but if you're new or a guest with us, I always read these cards because I want you to always be reminded that what we do here on Sunday is so important. And the Bible commands us to be here together and to worship together, but loving people Showing true Christian love every day is what it's all about. And so we worship God and then we go forth to love other people. And I want to remind you that what you do matters. And so never think that it's all about just this one day. And so it says to 10 Mile family, thank you so much for the box of goodies we received. Your kindness and prayer is appreciated. And we love you all. That's from Louie. And Mary Elliston, as Louie was recently sick, thank you so much for the new staff gift bag and the gift cards, and most importantly, the prayers. I am so thankful to be working in Hamilton County and look forward to a great year. And that is from a teacher. We take a gift and a, a bag to all of our new school teachers every year, and we pray for them, and we tell them we're praying for them, and that's just a thank you from them. And so, dear 10 Mile family, thank you so much for all that you have done for our family during the illness and passing of Bruce. A special thanks to Bob and Betty for always being there when we needed them. Thank you all for the flowers, calls, cards, and gifts. The dinner was delicious, and we truly appreciate all the love that you all have shown to our family. And that is sincerely from Linda and Lucas Dale and Clint and Susan Mosby family at the passing of Bruce. And so whether it is loving the community, whether it is caring for the sick or being there alongside of those who lose a loved one, never forget that that is what it's about. Loving God and loving people. And so three weeks ago, we started a brand new series on overcoming personal attacks and the fact that all of us go through personal attacks whether it is personal attacks at home, whether it is a personal attack at work, whether it is a personal attack at school, we all have been attacked or attacked other people. And hopefully today, it is not physically. And, but most of the time, it's verbally or spiritually or emotionally. And we've been looking at how we handle those personal attacks. Three weeks ago, we started this series with God Prepares His People that God has been preparing you for the difficulties that you are going to go through. And today, if you're in the difficulty that is going on in your life today, that God is with you. And that was our sermon title last week, that God prepares His people, God is with His people. And then today, I want to talk to you about the fact that God will provide for His people. So many times we think that as long as we're together, then we are helping one another. 
But I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but I am a people watcher. Yes, it's creepy, but it's just the way it is. And uh, I have been surprised at how many times I have been uh, pumping gas at Huck's and uh, I'll see someone come to the intersection. It'll be a car full of people. The driver will be looking at their phone. The passenger will be looking at their phone. The two people in the back will be looking at. And I think in that moment, they're all together, but they're not with each other. They're not talking. They're not anything, right? And, and if you've ever been at your home, and it happens at our home too, right? You've got this kid's on a laptop, mom's on a phone, dad's on a phone, this is on. And you're together, but we're not really with each other. We're not doing anything that accomplishes anything. And I think many times in our Christian walk, we know that God prepares us, right? We know that God saves us from our sin. We know that the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. We know that God is all places at all times. So we know that He's with us in the difficult moments. But it sometimes seems when it all hits the fan, right? And, and the waves are crashing into our a vessel, and when it seems like the storm is raging, and it seems like when the person's slandering you or the person's out to get you, it kind of sometimes in our minds, I feel like that we don't think that God is providing in those moments. He's there, but He's just watching. And this morning, I want to show you that God is not only with you in the difficult moments of your life, that God is working in the difficult moments of your life. He is not only present, but he is involved. And so uh, just because you're present at church doesn't mean that all of you are here for the right reasons. Some of you are here today because it's what you do on Sunday morning. Some of you are here today because you love Jesus and you want to hear from his word. Some of you are here today because your spouse nags you all the time to come to church with them. Some of you are here today because maybe your boss goes to church here and you want a promotion. Or, or maybe you're here today because your girlfriend or boyfriend comes here and you want to convince their family that you're a good person, right? That's what I used to do. But it, it, that never was true. I was always there for the wrong reason. But this morning, I want you to know, though, that God is with you in the difficult moments of your life. And as we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 18, we've been looking at how Saul is persecuting David. And this morning I want you to hear this because there are two extremes. One, everybody always says that they're the victim. Right? I've never hurt anybody. I've never told a lie to anybody. I've never slandered anybody. Uh, that's not me. And on the other end of that spectrum, it is, I am so broken. I am so messed up. I, how could God love someone like me? And as you hear this sermon this morning, you and I need to realize that we can all be Saul and we can all be the David in this story. But as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be striving to live in a way that shows a lost and dying world that we are not living alone. That we have a God that is with us, caring for us, and providing for us. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, I want to show you of how the problem started here in verses 6 through 9. Starting in verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, 
They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So saw I David from that day forward. Pray with me. Father, today as we come, I ask, Lord, your forgiveness. Lord, for any sin in my life that I know about, or Lord, that I don't, that would hinder me from preaching your word this morning. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to this congregation, your people, Lord, about the hidden sin in our life, the, the sin that we don't think has consequences, Lord, and that your spirit would convict each and every one of us. Lord, for those in this place today, Lord, that don't know you, Lord, I pray that your spirit would begin to convict and work in their hearts today, Lord. Nothing that I say, Lord, can save them, but you can save sinners. And so, Father, I pray that everything that is said and done today here honors you, Lord, and honors your church. And so, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, I want you to think about this in your life. A time that you've been personally attacked. Maybe someone was slandering you. Maybe someone was jealous of the blessings that God had given you. And, and maybe there's a time in your life when you've been jealous of somebody else or a time in your life when you have slandered someone else or their reputation. And so I want to show you three things this morning about God providing in the midst of personal attacks because we've been looking at it. It's one thing when someone talks bad about your country and it's another thing when someone talks bad about the state, but it's a whole nother thing when someone talks bad about your children. It's a whole nother thing when someone talks bad about your wife. And so as uh, uh, one comedian said, you talk about anything you want. But don't you talk about my mama, right? And there's just some things that that hits right close to home. And so this morning, if this makes you uncomfortable, if the Spirit of God begins to convict you, I pray that you will listen. And the first thing I want to show you this morning is this. You cannot let the sins of other people discourage you. You cannot let the sins of other people discourage you. How many of you watch the news or go anywhere in public and are tired of stupid people? Have you ever wondered how could we get to the point where you have to put caution hot on a cup of coffee from McDonald's? Right? Coffee is supposed to be hot. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me for making fun of your foo-foo iced coffee. I'm not here to upset you today, all right? Don't stone me in the parking lot. But coffee is meant to be hot. But yet, people are so not smart that you have to put on the bottom of that caution hot. It's kind of like when you drive in front of a school. And there's a sign that says children present. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but what do you expect to be there other than children? Right? It's a school. There are kids there. It's not like it should say, watch out for falling old people or something, right? No, it's a school. Now, some of the teachers know I'm just kidding, but it's, that's what's normal. Why would you expect something different? But friends, on a more serious note, how many times has your life been affected by someone else's sin? Maybe growing up, you grew up in a broken home because of the sin of your parents. Maybe at work, you, you are struggling because there's a co-worker or a boss that's not a Christian makes your life miserable. Maybe at school, you've tried to commit to be a Christian and walk with the Lord and serve the Lord, but yet there's always someone jealous and slandering you. How many times have we been hurt in church or other things? It happens to all of us. But the question is this. You cannot let the sins of other people discourage you. And I want to show you this here, starting in verse 17. 
Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Mirab. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, who am I? And what is my father or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at that time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Mahalathite, as a wife. And so if you remember what we looked at last week, King Saul was trying to kill him with spears and realized that he couldn't kill him with a personal attack. And this is how sin works. It starts in the heart, then it lets itself out in actions. But did you notice what he's trying to do here? He's not trying to harm David from the front. He is trying to harm him through flattery. He says, why don't you come marry my oldest daughter? He says, if he marries my oldest daughter, then he'll be loyal to me. And then if he, he believes that he is loyal to me, then I can send him into battle against the Philistines and maybe they'll kill him. Now, I want you to hear the significance of this. Saul wanted him to marry someone, trust him, and then send him into battle so that the Philistines could kill him. David does the exact same thing later on in his life when he takes the husband of Bathsheba, sends him with orders from his commander to send him to the fiercest part of the battle, and then when it gets rough to do what? Pull everybody back so that he'll be what? Killed. But yet that's what Saul is trying to do with King David here. With David's not yet king though. You see, David is humble. David could have said, you're right, I'm going to be king one day and I want your daughter. I'm going to be king one day and I want all the rights and privileges that are given to me. But he doesn't. He stays humble. And I want you to show you there's two extremes here. There is someone who is humble and is used by God. And King Saul is all about flattery. Now, who's sitting up front that I can pick on that won't get offended? Ah, Gary, it's you, right? Gary, I tell you what, you're such a good friend and you've been such a good Sunday school teacher and Monica's so lucky to have you and, and I, you're just always a blessing. To everybody you meet, I'm telling you what, Sam's has never had a better employee. I'm, I'm just telling you, just I can't believe it, right? I'm so sick of Gary Browling. He won't sing in the choir and he sits over there and won't smile and he won't. That's exactly what King Saul did here. He flattered David. By saying, oh, marry my son, daughter. Come join the royal family. But the entire time he was trying to kill him. And friends, I've seen it in church. I've seen it in schools. I've seen it in my own life. Friends, you have to be weary that everyone who is nice to you, everyone who smiles at you, everyone who offers crocodile tears to you is not genuine. And today, as a Christian, you have to realize people are going to lie to you. People are going to use you. People are going to speak kind to you in public and pour behind your back. But yet you cannot let that affect your love for Jesus. You've got to love Jesus more than anything and anyone. You've got to leave, love Jesus more than your wife. You've got to love Jesus more than your children. You've got to love Jesus more than your church. You've got to love Jesus more than your pastor. You've got to love Jesus more than your Sunday school teacher. Because because everyone else will fail you, but he won't. 
And the only way to survive two-faced people, the only way to survive people that are out to get you, the only way to, pe- to, to survive those people that are so, so, so nice. Oh, they're just so nice. I hear it all the time. They've got to be saved. They are so nice. Look up here for a second. There's one way to be saved. And it's to be born again. And born of Ben people can be stinkers. Never says in the Bible that nice gets you to heaven. And so friends, they can be friendly. They can be smiley. They can make you feel welcome. They can, and we should be that way. But what we see here is that flattery was used to destroy David. Listen to what it says in Psalms, the fifth chapter, verse nine. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongues. Romans 16, verse eight. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. I told you last week. That to my knowledge, my wife and I have never had a screaming argument in the lobby. To my knowledge, we've never had a screaming argument here in the sanctuary. We've never even had a screaming argument in the parking lot. But I tell you what, we can have some arguments at home. But how many times is that how we live our life, right? Things are a mess at home. Things are a mess at work. Boy, we show up in that parking lot on Sunday morning and it's like, oh, my face hurts. I got too much cheeks to smile. But friends, that's how it is. But I want you to hear this this morning. God knows the hearts of those people who are trying to hurt you. God knows the hearts of those people that are fake. And this morning, friends, you can be like King David and stay humble and just say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, Lord, however you want to bless me or use me. Or you can be like Saul. Oh, I'd love for you to marry him into my family. Oh, I'd love for this to happen in your life. I'd love to be this way for you. And the whole time they're patting you on the back with one. And stabbing you with the other. Friends, not everyone on your Facebook page that likes your post loves you. Not everyone that will share your Instagram story or whatever it is, is there because they love you. And so, friends, this morning, you need to be prepared to be hurt. You need to be prepared that people are going to fail you. Because why? We're all sinners. And right now, the halos are just popping out everywhere. But, friends, all of us can be both people in this story. All of us can be jealous. All of us can be hurt. All of us can let our sin in our life Control what we do. You see, King Saul's sin started in his heart. He was jealous. He was jealous of David. And because of that, it affected everything about him. So you cannot let the sins of other people discourage you. Second thing I want to show you this morning is God can bring you a victory even when others mean you harm. God can bring you a victory even when others mean you harm. So David had tried to murder. Saul had tried to murder David. He tries to get someone else to murder David, but by using kindness. And now listen to this one. Now Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. This is the next daughter. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. 
Saul was not happy because his daughter loved David because he was happy for his daughter. He was happy that she loved David because it was a way for him to use his own child to hurt David. I'll speak more of that in a second. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him. Two thoughts here. One, either she was the world's worst woman, right? Or two, Saul knew that if David loved her and David was focused on her, then David would do whatever he asked of him. And don't miss this. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing I am poor and lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines <coughs> to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and killed two hundred men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. And so see, we see here that his his treachery, his flattery, now even doesn't just stop with Saul. It affects his children. And I want to say this to you this morning, and I want you to look up here because I don't want you to misunderstand or I don't want you to hear me misspeak. The sin that you are hiding or the sin that everyone knows about in your life, it will not just affect you. It will spread to everyone you love and it will destroy the people around you. Can you imagine as a father with daughters now saying, I want my children to marry someone someone that they love and care about because it might help them die. I want my child to lose a spouse, to be broken and hurting, all so that I can have my jealousy and vengeance served. You say, Jake, how could you view your children that way? I'm going to give you a modern day version that's going to make everyone uncomfortable. How many times do we see it in custody battles? Grandma and grandpa on this family. Grandma and grandpa on this family. Mom and dad. Couple kids. Divorce happens. Right? One party says, well, I'll keep you from them. Or I'll keep them from you. And you go to court and you fight and you argue and you scheme and you plan. And it's all because what? Someone got hurt. Someone got angry. 
someone was wrong. And that feeling of hurt and wrong and betrayal says, I'll get back at them no matter what it cost. Friends, in that moment, your sin, your sin and my sin has not only just affected me, it has affected all the people around me. And parents, you might think you can hide your unforgiveness. You, you might think you can hide once under the uh, kitchen cabinet that you sneak around drinking when no one's around. You might think you can hide what's on your Netflix account when everyone goes to bed. You, you might think you can hide those whispering words of division that you're spreading. But I want you to look up here. It won't just stay there. Eventually it will begin to spread and it will affect every part of your life. King Saul says, I want him to marry her so that it will make it easier for the Philistines to kill him. Friends, today I want you to hear nothing else if you just hear this. Do not make decisions today that your kids have to live through tomorrow. My wife and I, I told you it's been the hardest year and she might not agree with you. And I know I say it all the time, but it's the truth and it's honest. I can be a jerk. I know that's hard for you all to believe, but <laughs> yeah. But it happens. And I've had to apologize to my children. I've had to apologize to her because it's the way it is. And it, sometimes it happens and it, it's nothing to brag about. It's nothing to, but it happens. But how many times are our kids and how many of you adults are now dealing with the baggage as an adult because the sin of your parents, the sin of your grandparents, the sin of a church that, that didn't love you and, and couldn't care for you. I hear it all the time from people. I don't want to go to church out there because my neighbor goes to church there and he's a heathen or, or I used to go to church and the pastor's a heathen or I used to go to church with the Sunday school teacher's a heathen. Look, we're all sinners. We all struggle. We all fall short. But you can't let the sins of other people discourage you from being who God wants you to be. You cannot. You cannot stop serving God because of the opposition that comes. Think about Jesus. They tried to trick him over and over again, right? But it says that he knew their heart. And God knows yours. Listen to what Genesis, the 50th chapter, as Joseph is finishing up all that he's been through, slavery and pain and false accusations and betrayal from his brothers. In Genesis 50, verse 20, he said, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. First Peter chapter 3 describes it like this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, but being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. You see, the world looks at the cross and says, it's horrific. The, the world at Jesus' time looked at the death of the Lord and thought they had won. But yet we know as Christians that what Jesus did on the cross by dying and taking our sin and our punishment and our shame by Him being buried, that He rose from the dead. And for us, I am saved because that horrific event that happened to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But for us that are being saved, we know that it's power. 
It's the power that saved me from my sin. It's the power today that if you're here and you're lost, that Jesus Christ went and died upon a cross and was buried and rose again. And today, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And third and final thing, and I'm sorry it's a little longer than usual. Enjoy the victories that God wins. And let Him handle the jealous people. Don't miss that. Enjoy the victories that God wins and let God handle the jealous people. Saul has tried to kill him by himself. He's tried to bait him into marrying his first daughter to kill him. He's offering his second daughter as a way for him to get married and to kill him. But listen to how God blesses David in verse 28. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. I want you to think about this right now because there's two choices. Saul has tried and tried and tried to kill David. He has tried to hurt David. And yet it says there that he realized that the Lord was with David. And Saul could have repented right there. Saul could have said the Lord is with him. The Lord is fighting for him. And I need to quit messing with the Lord's anointing. But he didn't, did he? He hardened his heart. And what does it say? It says that he went from in his heart being angry with David continually to now being what? His full on enemy. And so today, friends, whatever sin you're struggling with that you think you can control and contain, it's only going to spread. It's only going to make you harder to the things of God. It's only going to make you more cold to the things of the Spirit. Or you can be like David. David says, hey, he promised me that one, didn't give me that one. He promised me this one, but my family's not rich. We're not wealthy. I, I, it would be my privilege to marry into the king's family. David stayed humble, and he kept doing what God wanted him to do. You know what I said? I said, I ain't married into that family. He's crazy. And if you've ever married into a crazy family, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at your spouses. Don't, don't look. Don't look. Don't look. But you know what I'm talking about. You think, oh, it's Christmas and oh, it's Thanksgiving and oh, it's all the holidays. Oh, no. One thing worse than holidays is reunions, right? But friends, I'm telling you this morning, David was faithful even in the midst of all of this. And God did what? God just kept blessing him. And friends, today, if God has blessed you in your marriage, be thankful. Because there will be people that will hate the fact that you actually like the person that you're married to. If your kids are saved, be thankful. I, I told this story the first service, and I probably shouldn't tell it in the second service, but I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> One time, as a family was leaving church, they looked at the pastor, and I won't say it's this pastor in the second service because I got in trouble in the first service and said, 
we always enjoy your sermons. They're just really always right on. And one of the kids said, that's not what you say in the car. Anyway, and if you're here today or watching that, I'm sorry. But anyway, um, <laughs> friends, in that moment, you have one of two choices. You can either get angry, get bitter, or you can just say, well, I listen to them and I don't think they're very good either. But I appreciate that. But this morning, you have to ask yourself this question. Have the personal attacks that you've been going through changed you at all? Because today I'm going to guess that if you've been going through the storm, you're probably a little bit bitter. Maybe you're bitter at God because He allowed it to happen. Maybe you're bitter at that person that's done it. Maybe you've got unforgiveness. This morning I want you to know that it will just keep growing. Or today you can be like David and say, Lord, I'm a nobody but yet you're doing something in my life. And today I want you to know that we're all sinners saved by grace. I think this is the thing that I struggle with the most at church. This is just my honest opinion. That after we're saved a while, we get into the mindset that that doesn't happen in my family. My kids would never do that. We would never go there. We would never behave like that. My kid would never get in trouble with the law. And I want you to look up here. When you and I do that, we look nothing like Jesus. You and I ought to be humble that says if God has blessed us, I am thankful. I am thankful for the ways that God has blessed in my life. But to those families that are hurting and broken and struggling and have a mess, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there we would go as well. I've heard it, I don't know how many times. Well, well, you know about their kids. If you say it to me, I will throw something at you. And I will not even feel bad about it. Well, my kids would never run around in the place like that. See, this morning, David said, I'm from nothing. My family's not wealthy. We're not privileged. He was humble. And today, if this church needs one thing more than anything, it's humility. To remember that the God that saved us did not save us because of us. He saved us because of Himself. We're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. And the friends this morning, if you're here and you're saved, be thankful. Be thankful that God knew you and died for you anyway. If you're here today and you're going through personal attacks, I want you to know that there's a God who is with you and loves you and cares about you and will fight with you and for you and will not leave you. But if you're here this morning and you're like Saul, oh, you're bitter and you're jealous and you're angry and you're prideful. Today, I want you to know something. God loves you. He died for you. And today you can come and say, Lord, forgive me for where I've been and what I've done. And God will forgive you immediately, instantly, and restore to you the joy of your salvation. But don't miss the warning. Whatever your sin is today, 
that if you're like Saul and you won't deal with it, one of these days, whether it's two weeks, two years, 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years, you're going to look around and say, I did this to my family. I did this to our marriage. I did this. And I'm telling you, friends, if you love them, you'll say, oh, Lord, if you could work in spite of me. Pray with me this morning as Jamie comes. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, today I pray that I've just preached what was there, verse by verse, word by word. Lord, I pray today that you would be at work. Lord, I pray today that if I've said anything or done anything that wasn't according to your word, Lord, that you'd forgive me. But Lord, today I pray that your people here today would know how much you love them. Know how much you care about them. Lord, that you are willing to die to purchase them and bring them into your family. Father, I pray for your people today, Lord, that are struggling with personal attacks. Lord, with, with people that are going through discouragement or lost a loved one. Lord, those people that just feel alone and beat down, God, that today you would convict them and, and strengthen them and encourage them today, Lord. Lord, I pray for those people that are struggling here today or like Saul, Lord, that are letting their sin control them and run them, God, that, that you would convict them, show them that, that they're still alive and they still have hope and there's still an opportunity, Lord, to change things. But they've got to come through you. And lastly, Lord, today, I pray for the lost in this place. Lord, I know that in a room this big, there are people that don't know you, even if they act like they do. And so today, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to convict and work, move. Lord, that person that's got the hardest of hearts, that today they would understand that they are lost and in need of you and come and give their heart to you, Lord. I pray for that person who thinks there's no need for them to be saved, that they're good enough. Lord, that today you would convict them and humble them and they would be saved. And Father, I especially pray for that person that's here today, Lord, who thinks they're no good, who thinks they couldn't be saved because of the bad things they've done. Lord, the person who says there's no way that God could love someone like me, that God could care about someone like me, that you show them today, Lord, that you did die for them. And that there's hope in you for the vilest of us. And so, Lord, as we begin this time of invitation, I pray that you have your way and that you would be honored in all that's said or done. And, Lord, I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.